Wildwood Community Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Indeed, today is a Communion Sunday at Wildwood. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up and, and turn them in them to the Gospel of Matthew and chapter number 26 in the Gospel of Matthew. If you don't have a Bible, there would be one under a chair in front of you, and if you would get that and turn in the back portion of it to page 26, you would be at Matthew chapter 26. And this Lord's Day, I would like us to think about the significance of Jesus' blood as we think about gathering around the Lord's table together. We read uh, Sunday or so ago from the Heidelberg Catechism from 1563, and I just want to remind you (laughs) that as we gather together to to partake of the Lord's table, we're doing this in a long heritage. It's a long train of spiritual heritage, and this was written four and a half centuries ago. So think about the believers four and a half centuries ago whose thoughts are very similar to ours today. And I just want to read those first few verses of the the catechism where it says, I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And then the key phrase, why? Well, He has fully paid for all my sins with His precious blood. That's what He has done for us. He paid for all our sins with His precious blood. And we know that, but sometimes I think we become a little disconnected with the significance of that fact, that He did this with His precious blood. So if you look in Matthew chapter 26, I want to take us back to when Jesus first introduced communion. And we see it in verses 26 to 28. This is at that last supper with the disciples. And you notice it says, while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, He broke it. And He gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And when He had taken a cup and given thanks... He gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. Verse 28, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. This is where the first discussion really happened related to communion and the blood of Christ. And this was picked up on by the disciples. And you could go, we won't turn there now, but if you wanted to go look in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul just carries it on. And he says there to those Corinthian believers, he says, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. And then he went back and he quoted these same phrases that Jesus first spoke. And the idea here is is that Jesus instituted this celebration, the disciples carried that on, 
And in essence, that's exactly what we're doing many centuries later. What Paul was really saying is, I'm passing it on to you just as I received it from the Lord. Now, here's one of the things I personally believe about communion is it's very easy, if we're not careful, for it to simply become a mere religious exercise that we do. You can participate in communion in a very superficial way uh, without really appreciating in a fresh way the significance of it. I think it's easy to lose sight of the wonder of what Jesus Christ did for us. I think I can be supported by that, by what Peter says in his second letter, in 2 Peter 1.9, he says, to those believers, you have become short-sighted, having forgotten your cleansing from sin. Now, what did he mean by that? He didn't mean by that, oh, you don't remember up here in your head somewhere that Jesus died and shed His blood for you. What he's saying is, you've become short-sighted about it. You've just lost sight of that. Emotionally, you're not connected with that, and it's a real danger that we can have. We can lose some of the passion of our appreciation for Christ shedding His blood for us. And that's one of the reasons why Jesus instituted it, because He didn't want it to be completely out of sight and out of mind for us at all. That's why Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember to do it. Now, I want you to notice in Matthew 26 again, verses 27 and 28. He took the bread first and he broke it. He said, this is my body. And then he he took a cup and he gave thanks. And he said, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. This is the significance of Jesus' blood. And what's really interesting, I don't know if you've ever done this in a while, but it would be good for you to take a concordance which lists um, all the words of the Bible in alphabetical order and just track the word blood through the New Testament. Begin to see how much of a point of emphasis there is on blood. And what I want us to do is do a little bit of that together this morning. So we're going to be jumping around some. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. You have Romans, and then you have First and Second Corinthians and Galatians, Ephesians. And I just want you to notice how much this discussion comes up about His blood that was shed for us. Notice Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 says, In Him, in Jesus, we have redemption through His blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Blood being shed is a very prominent part. Look at chapter 2 of Ephesians and verse 13. Chapter 2, verse 13, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off, really from the blessings of God, have been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ, His blood being shed for us. This was a theme not only with the Apostle Paul, but also with the Apostle Peter. If you go quite a few books over to the right in your Bible to the book of First Peter, I want you to notice First Peter chapter 1. You have Hebrews, James, and then you come to First Peter. First Peter 1 and verse 18. 
He says to these believers, knowing you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but rather with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. And over and over again in the New Testament, we see this emphasis on His blood being shed. I'll just give you some other passages. Colossians 1.20 says that He made peace through the blood of His cross. Romans 5.9 talks about how we have been justified, declared righteous by His blood. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, talks about the church of God, which He purchased with His own blood. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, says that He, Jesus, released us from our sins by His blood. 1 John 1, 7 talks about how the blood of His Son cleanses us from all sin. And Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hand. But how many of us are squeamish at the sight of blood? I mean, just think about it for a moment. When you see blood just sort of gushing out of somebody's mouth or out of a wound. How many people of us get a little squeamish? A lot of us do. And it's really interesting that something that makes us squeamish when we see it has such a point of emphasis in the New Testament related to the person of Jesus Christ. And do you know this, because people are so squeamish about blood, it is the basis of some objections about Scripture. Did you know that there are people who object to the Bible? They look at the Bible and they see all this talk about the blood of Christ and Jesus' blood and this and that about the blood, and they say, you know, it looks to them like God is bloodthirsty, that God is a little cannibalistic, that God is gory, that God is gruesome. Why is He so into all of this blood? Well, there's a reason. What is Jesus really communicating when he says in Matthew 26, drink this, this is my blood which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins? What significance do you think that had to the disciples when they heard it? I mean, what did that mean to them? Now, one of the keys to understanding this whole issue of the blood of Christ and its emphasis in the New Testament is to understand, really, the Old Testament. See, the Old Testament is full of a lot of imagery. It's full of a lot of object lessons. It's full of a lot of reminders. For example, you had the Passover feast. You remember the Passover feast in the Old Testament? There were a number of elements involved in the Passover feast. And, and they had, were object lessons, they were imagery, they were reminders. Like one of the things that they were to partake of as part of the Passover was bitter herbs. And the bitter herbs were reminders of the bitter bondage that the nation had under Egypt. That was part of the reminder 
Another aspect of uh, the Passover was that they were to eat unleavened bread. That's where you didn't have time to leaven it and then bake it and watch it rise and do all that. You just had unleavened bread. And that, that was a reminder, that was an object lesson about how quickly, when the door opened, they had to leave Egypt. They had to leave in haste. And so you had unleavened bread. And then, of course, you are aware and will remember that part of the Passover involved blood again, that what happened was they had to take an unblemished male lamb and slay that lamb, and then they would take that blood and they would put it on the top of the door frame and they would swab it on both sides of the door frame. And then when God was coming in judgment, it said when he would see the blood on the door of that house, he would pass over, which is where Passover comes from, pass over that house in judgment because of the presence of that blood. So what is the significance of the blood of Christ? Well, um, we could say a lot about that, but I just want to highlight two things. And this is part of what I think we need to learn when we're getting ready to remember His blood being shed for us. Two things. First of all, blood points to the seriousness of sin. It points to the seriousness of sin. See, what it indicates is that sin is significant enough to a holy God that a life needs to be taken because of it. And we we talked about how it says in Hebrews chapter 9 and and verse 22, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Why does it say that? It says that because it's indicating that sin is serious to a holy God. So serious that a life needs to be taken. And so what it really means is that the sins that I commit and the laws that I violate and the boundaries that I cross are significant to a holy God. And the sins that you commit and the laws that you violate and the boundaries that you cross are significant to a holy God, so much so that a life needs to be taken And so when we talk about the the importance of blood involved in all of this, that's the first thing that it it points to in terms of significance, the seriousness of sin. The second thing that it points to is the necessity of a substitute. See, in the Old Testament system, contrary to some religious systems perhaps, no one was ever called to shed their own blood. That was never the idea. You know, sin is serious, it means that a life needs to be taken, but you're never called to to shed your own blood, but the blood of a lamb. There had to be a substitute. Sin was serious, a life needed to be taken, but it wasn't necessarily to be your life, it was to be a substitute. And that imagery from the Old Testament system, of course, is picked up by Jesus. And what does Jesus become? He becomes your substitute 
and he becomes my substitute. And that's why it says in Hebrews 9, 12, it was not through the blood of goats and calves, that's the Old Testament, but through his own blood that he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood points to the seriousness of sin, and it points to the necessity of a substitute. Remember, let's go back to the Exodus again and, and, and that whole situation with Passover time coming out of Egypt, and you remember that everyone in the nation of Egypt was under judgment. Everyone in the nation of Egypt was under judgment, and it was the blood of the Passover lamb that kept you from judgment. And again, not only did Jesus pick up on that imagery, but so did the disciples and the apostles. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul says, Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed. All of humanity is under judgment. But the blood of the Passover lamb when it is applied, will keep you from judgment. And that's why it says in Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus because of the blood of the Lamb. We like to celebrate communion. We like to focus on communion. And I want us to do that. In just a few moments, we'll tell you a little bit about how we're going to partake of communion today. But I want us to take just a few moments to meditate and prepare ourselves a little bit. And we're going to have a few moments of quiet here. And then I'm going to lead us in some prayer before we give you some instructions on how we're going to do this. But I want you to think about two things. I want you to think about the seriousness of sin from God's viewpoint. And I want you to just spend a little time remembering that some of the choices we made are significant to Him in His holiness and His righteousness. And this is a great time for a little bit of confession and a little bit of restoration. Second thing I want you to just meditate on for a few moments, is that He, Jesus, is our substitute. And it would be good as you and I anticipate partaking the Lord's table together if we spend a little time just thanking Him again for that and worshiping Him for that and expressing our gratitude to Him for that. Because, you see, God so loved you that he gave his own unique son that whoever may believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. So if you would just bow with me for a moment, just bow your heads and... Um, 
I'm just going to have a, a moment or two here of, of some, some quiet and would invite you just to think about those two things for a moment, some, the seriousness of sin that necessitated that a life be taken and the substitute for you and I was God himself. So take just a moment and then I'll lead us in a short prayer and then we'll talk about partaking communion. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is for us to pause in the rat race of life, so many things launching this fall, so many things beginning, and just slow down enough to remember that it was our choices that led to Jesus Christ shedding his blood. And Father, we confess that all too often we, we tend to excuse away some of what we do as not being that big of a deal when the reality is it led to the Son of God having to shed his blood on our behalf. And so we want to thank you for this morning, which we can remember what Jesus told us to remember, and that is he gave his body and he shed his blood on our behalf. And we freshly confess our sins and our failures, or our attitudes, our actions that aren't honoring to Him, we confess not only do we just do things we shouldn't do, but sometimes we fail to do the things that we should do. We thank You that the, the blood of Christ cleanses us from all of our sin. Thank You for this time which we can honor Him. He is more than worthy of honor. We thank You that because of His blood, You passed over the judgment that we deserve to receive. And we count it a great privilege. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just a few instructions. Um, at Wildwood, we practice what's called open communion. That means you don't have to be a member here to participate in the Lord's table. If you know Him personally as your Savior, um, 
you're welcome to join in. If, if you don't know the Lord and, and maybe you're just visiting and you're, you haven't yet really dealt with the person of Christ, we would just ask that you would not participate. Feel free to stay here, watch what we do. Um, but we really believe this is for those who have trusted in, in Christ and his death on their behalf. And what we're going to do in a few moments is we're going to pass the elements. We do this differently from time to time. You will receive both the bread and the cup. And we want you to take those elements, and while they're being passed, I'm going to read Scripture. And it's Scripture that just helps us to maybe be pondering. Don't be too quick to partake of the elements, but ponder some of the thoughts of the Word of God. And then when you are ready personally before the Lord to partake of the bread and and to drink the cup, I would encourage you to do that. And uh, then we'll have a a prayer and we'll sing a closing song together. So that's the plan. And uh, just make this a great time of worship. You know, we're not a reflective society. This is a great time to be reflective for a few moments. Let God speak to you as... His word is read. Um, You talk to him as you need to. Do whatever confession you need to do. Uh, Do whatever worship he's calling you to do. I'm going to lead us in a a short prayer for the elements, and then um, we'll have the elements passed. You can listen to the verses, partake when you are ready. Father, we thank you again for the person of Christ. We thank you that he many, many generations ago, took the bread, and after he had given thanks for it, he broke it and said, take and eat this. This is my body which is given for you. And we also know that he took that cup, and he said that we were to take that cup, and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Drink this cup in remembrance of me. So we thank you for the bread. We thank you for the cup we are now to receive. And we would pray that you would commune with us in these next few moments together. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.